Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Women of Nottingham, the Majority podcast with me, Catherine, your host, and I will be speaking to remarkable women around Nottingham. And throughout this podcast, each week we will be speaking to a different woman who lives in Nottingham about what she does in the community and the various things that women do in this city. So without further ado, I will introduce you to our first remarkable woman of Nottingham. And this is Pastor Julia Poole. I spoke to her about her work with FGM survivors and supporting the women of Nottingham. I would also like to add a trigger warning before we start. We do speak about some quite sensitive and traumatic topics, so please do be aware as you listen on. My name is Julia Poe and I'm a pastor with Fungospel Revival Christian Center. I'm married with two boys and we all live here in Nottingham. I came in this country six years ago. I come from Kenya and um, I was staying in Slough in London and then I came to Nottingham in 2018. So to start off with, um, some people listening obviously might not know, if you could explain what exactly is FGM, what female genital mutilation actually means in practice. Female genital mutilation that people shorten as FGM is a procedure where the female genitals are deliberately cut out, injured or changed, and there is no medical reason for this uh, to be done. And in some places they call it uh, female circumcision or cutting. And uh, they have different uh, way of calling it in different countries or different communities. And where I come from, we call it kutailiwa kwa wanawake. I know it's very painful, it's something stressful, it's something very traumatizing to women and to young girls. And I suppose you've said, obviously, how traumatic and brutal it is. Um, the question I suppose I think a lot of people have is, why do people still do it? Why, why are women being put through this? What, what is the reasoning behind it? Well, it, it depends with in different communities. It's something which is practiced back home where I come from. The reason as to why in my community, why they do female genital mutilation, mostly they say it is to tame a woman, to make her not do immorality. They think when they cut the clitoris of a woman, it will stop her from having sexual desires to a man, and that will make her wait until she's married. Because in our community, if you have sexual intercourse before marriage, it is a sin and it's also termed as a shame to the family and to the rest of the community. Because virginity is something that used to be valued a lot there, and when you are virgin and you're married and your husband finds you a virgin, there, there was a certain price that was meant to be sent to your family. So mostly they used to do that um, in our community to prevent that. And do you think those perceptions around virginity and a woman's role in society have changed? Have you noticed a change, perhaps either generally or specifically in Kenya? People have started to know these things are not true, these are money things. So 
a lot of people right now they have the knowledge they know that it is not as we used to be told so in those urban areas where these uh, campaigns have been done and people have gone back to school but in the villages, there are still people who have no this type of knowledge, so it's still being practiced down there, because this whatever whatever knowledge that we have, the sufferings, the complications that women undergo, has not reached to them, and they still uphold that. So I can say it's still there in most rural areas, where I feel we need to go and reach out there, but how to go about it, it's the issue because it calls for money and all that. So in the towns, it's known that it's not necessary as in the past, but in the rural areas, it is still there. With FGM being carried out still um, in those rural areas, could we talk a little bit about what that means for girls long term? So you've obviously explained what FGM is, but could you elaborate on the complications? What having this done to a girl at a young age, either um, as a child or as a teenager, what that means for them going into their lives? To be honest, it's something, uh, a female genital mutilation is, it's very traumatising because every time, like right now, when I'm speaking to you, it's something that I still can hear whenever I talk about female genital mutilation. I still can hear the screams of young girls out there in the, in the village. And it's somehow that scream, it lives with you forever. And it's very traumatizing to know you feel like an entire village came upon you just to take it out. And then, uh, Clitoris, when you, when, you, when you stand it, you realize it's a very important organ in a woman's body. Because when it is stopped, then it means this woman will not be able to enjoy her sexuality again. And because it is a permanent good, it means you will live with that permanent pain. Because in different communities, it's done differently. So there are some that they cut and they stitch you again, and you live with those stitches until when you reach the point of getting married. They bring you back the stitches so that your husband can be able to penetrate. And after that, so it's something that you, you, you constantly live in pain. I don't think any woman deserves that. And then other women, they have not been able to, to, to give birth the normal way, because like when they go now for to push the children, the, the baby out of, out of their belly, then all these scars again, you realize this woman, she and the scars now for the tears from the child and the scars from the cutting. So, and that's why you can hear rumors out there, people trying to make it to be medicalized. Even if it's medicalized, even if it's done by a doctor or by whoever they think can be able to do it, there is no safe way of taking out somebody's organ 
just because you can reduce pain and all that. Because whether you undergo female genital mutilation without the pain or not, the fact remains, the aftermath, the uh, uh, problems will still be there, whether it was done in the village or whether it was done in medical center. So there is no difference with that. It's something that really, I just don't like it. It's it's very painful, Catherine. It's it's something that you cannot have proper ones to describe what a woman has undergone after female genital mutilation. It's a heavy thing that no ones can explain. Thank you for sharing that, because I know it is a very difficult subject to talk about. Um, and I think while it might be a difficult listen, and obviously I put a trigger warning at the top of this episode, I think it's a really important thing for people to hear, particularly if they haven't heard it before. And something that we actually discussed before recording um, that I hope you won't mind going into about coronavirus and how obviously now everything's online. We're recording this online. Uh, I'm speaking to you through a laptop, not in person. How does that affect looking after um, women in the community that might um, be at risk of FGM or might need support in that sense? Um, how does that change? My biggest worry with the pandemic, with the setup now that we are having at the moment, it's more risky now because the families are in their houses by themselves, meaning even if the cutting is done to that young child and the family is isolated, they will be isolated, then we still cannot be able to know. So people will still do it, but they will still do it in secret. But now my, my biggest worry is for the young girls who, who might be in those families that still believe that that young girl is supposed to be cut during this lockdown. So it's, it's this pandemic is really, it's a scary thing for me to think about those girls who might be with the parents who, be, who still believe in female genital mutilation. So, of course, you've explained about your experience of FGM in Kenya, where you were born. I think a lot of people would be surprised listening that it's happening in Nottingham. It's happening in Britain. What has the campaign been in Nottingham with uh, Majatu? Yes. So what we have done in Nottingham, we've run several trainings with uh, Federal Industry within Nottingham. So we have trained two groups within Nottingham. We have trained groups of young men and young women. We have given them certificate to show that they have actually undergone the training and they qualify to teach about the female genital mutilation. So the other thing is at Mojatu we are giving different groups all the support that they need about female genital mutilation. So if they want, um, if they want us to go to their organization or to their church or to their mosque and deliver these teachings to their leaders or to their congregation, we are open for that. And we have given them materials. We are open, we are in touch with them in case there is need be. And we are also open if there is anything about female genital mutilation that they are not able to to handle within their congregations or their mosque, wherever they are, we have allowed them to seek help from Mojatu. 
So we are, we are out there. We have online supporting group for survivors where we, we, we give them safe space where they can encourage one another, where they can speak out issues that are affecting them, and then we can, we can see together how we can be able to help each other. So at the moment, we are doing quite a lot, and I'm very proud of Mojatu with all the support they have given me and others to be able to stand up and help these survivors of female genital mutilation. I am so glad to have found Majati and I know that you feel the same way um, and from what you said about everything that's happening in Nottingham it does make me very proud to be part of Nottingham because there are people like yourself that are out there supporting people but I didn't really know that FGM was a major issue in Nottingham uh, or at least in Britain at all until I started researching it and working with Majati so what would you say to people listening that maybe haven't heard this before or don't know that it's an issue still in 2020? What I can say is whether you believe it's not done, it's not something for your community, whether you believe it or not, female genital mutilation, it affects all of us. At the same time, let us not forget that immigration now, it's, you can see people from different communities everywhere. So whether you are yellow, white, black, or whatever, there is somebody somewhere who might come from that community where it is practiced. And if they are within your community, when they are affected, the entire community is affected. Because I, I personally believe that all of us human beings, we are connected. And I believe that it is everybody's a problem when one of us within our communities has a problem. So I can, I can clearly say that female genital mutilation is a worldwide problem. It is not a one community problem. First I would say a lot is still needed because still even within the community where I am, I still find some people, they have never heard of that. We still need to do more because one person cannot reach as many as we need. So we can be able to involve even men and more people within the community, men, women, girls, boys. If we can involve even, if there is a way we can even be able to bring it to our schools. The teachers, if the teachers can be aware such things happen, and then I think it can, we can feel more safer because I can reach as many as I can, you can reach as many as you can, but we are just limited. So I think more organizations need to come on board and especially even the schools. So would you say that education is the key to solving this issue? strongly feel yes. I, I can say yes, it's through education. Through education, we educate, uh, we educate our, let our teachers be aware of that, let our, our, our nurses, our doctors, let everybody be aware of what is female genital mutilation, what it, it entails, what are the repercussions of that. Education is the way, because knowledge is power, I believe. 
with more education people can be saved from girls can be saved from female genital mutilation it's so wonderful to hear the passion that you have on this subject and i know that we're in a much better position because women like you exist did you think that you'd ever find yourself in this position that you'd ever be finding yourself helping these women my father is he has always encouraged me telling me that angundi name is to be honored more than silver and gold so he, he he kept on pushing us into doing more things that can change lives more than acquiring properties and all that he was a believer of change one person and that one person may change another one and that that so is I could not uh, all I know is deep inside me I've always desired to 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 change to see people change and even the law that I am in the church where I am today I'm a pastor there in Fungospo Revival Christian Center but I'm a cultural moderator so what I'm doing is I'm bringing this church now back to the community so that we can be able as a church now to be able to challenge some of these practices which are not uh, healthy for the community so that we can be able to to challenge them as a church or as a body of Christ so um i've always in my heart i've always desired to see justice i've always desired to see people getting healed i've always desired to see people having a better life so i i never thought i would be in the UK I never even thought I could come out of Kenya and even when I was when I got this job as a pastor in this country I never thought the law that I'm doing today I'll be doing it but I knew that I had that passion and desire of bringing change and just the other day we began a very beautiful project about women women together in this we are calling it women together in this and this project it's for women we, we opened our our church hall uh, we opened it as a drop-in center for women who are experiencing domestic abuse they can be able to, and they have no access to technology so what you we've done we bought some laptops and computers and mobile phones and we have opened that center so that any woman who is experiencing these abuses even if it's female genital mutilation whatever kind of on domestic abuse they are, they they are, they are having and they have no access to internet they don't know who to call we have opened that whole specifically for that they can come in there we can show them where to seek help from we can give them phones if they need to report their perpetrators whatever they want so i want to be out there for a woman woman and girls because i know if we do it together if we empower one another if we support one another I am very sure we will have more smiling women within our community and there is nothing as important as a smiling woman because if the woman in the house is happy then I believe the entire family is happy. <laughs> I love that. Smiling women are so important and 
to that end, if there is anybody listening that perhaps isn't at their smiliest and needs help, whether that be for a friend, for themselves, whether it's domestic abuse at risk of FGM or quite literally anything, what would you say to that woman um, and what resources would you point her towards in and around Nottingham? I'll say I'm, I'm very happy with the way Nottingham is at the moment. I've realised a lot of organisations, they are, they, are, they are very... They, they are open, they are open with... Nottingham, we are blessed with different help out there. So if there is anyone out there who is listening, first and foremost, I, I want them to understand that it's not their fault that they are undergoing whatever they are undergoing or they are experiencing whatever they are experiencing. It's not their fault. And again, I will say they are not alone in this. We are all here for them. So I can say oh, they can always call. We have different, even the, 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 the city council, we have different departments there where they can, they can get. We also have their trust where they can seek help. So we can, I can say that people can be able to get the, the help that is out there if only they can be able to speak out and they say that they need help. Because a lot of people, they think, they don't think that they can get help anywhere because this is what the perpetrators want us to believe. They want us to believe that nobody cares about you, nobody can be out there. But our police, they are out there, they can help. Everybody is there, can help you. So I don't want anybody to stay and feel like they are hopeless because I know when we are many, we are more than the perpetrator. So together we can be able to help one another. And I always don't shy off giving people my personal number or my email number because I want many women to be able to, to reach out for this uh, help. I would encourage every woman to embrace themselves wherever they are in whatever capacity that they are in. And I would love every woman to know that they are very, very important. And you as a woman or me as a woman, I should first start by embracing myself. Loving me is the key. Loving yourself is the key. Strengthening yourself and when I mean strengthening yourself, I want every woman to understand that to be a strong woman does not mean that you can't reach out for help. Because this is where a lot of perpetrators, they intimidate us, they intimidate women. They think when you speak out, when you show your vulnerability, you are weak. But I want every woman to understand that speaking out what is affecting you does not make you a weak person. As a matter of fact, it shows that you are strong enough to begin because when you speak out, that is the step number one of confronting whatever is affecting you. So speaking out is not being disrespectful. Speaking out is not uh, being weak. It is a strong point. When you keep it to yourself, it will continue weighing you down and it will destroy your self-esteem. 
Thank you so much for speaking to me today, Julia. I know that people are going to be so appreciative to hear your story and I am taking more happy, smiling women into my life because I think that's such a wonderful phrase and I think the more people that we can get to hear it, the better. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Catherine. Thank you for having me. Let all the women, let us be out there smiling and we can help one another to bring that smile in us. And if anybody listening needs any of the resources or would like to have a look at any of the resources that either Majatu or Nottingham in general has to offer, please do have a look at the link underneath the episode and everything will be released there. So please do, as Julia said, reach out for help if you do need some. So join us next week for another episode of Women of Nottingham. Each episode, there will be a new woman talking about her story and hope you guys have a great week. Thank you very much for listening.